so we're going to look tonight, uh, talking in our 40 Days of Hearing from God series, tonight's topic, we're going to talk about God's thoughts. Wow. How, how would one even begin to get their hand, uh, you know, their hands around the idea of God's thoughts? Uh, and, 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 you know, who can know God's thoughts? And God makes it clear in his word that, that we can't know his thoughts on our own, but it's his joy to share his thoughts with us. And so uh, we want to talk about this as it relates to uh, hearing from God and being led by his spirit. And this, this core truth that we need to begin with tonight is to understand that his thoughts are not our thoughts. Now, I got a little bit of a uh, uh, kind of a tongue-in-cheek, hope it makes you kind of smile a little bit, illustration to, to prove this point and, and to unpack it. I have a little quiz for you, and I just would like for you to answer the quiz. And I think after probably two or three of these questions, you're going to see where I'm going with this, right? The first question is, which country makes Panama hats? The answer, Ecuador. How about this one? In which month do Russians celebrate the October Revolution? Well, it's November, not October. How long did the Hundred Years' War last? Well, actually 116 years, 1337 to 1453. From which animal do we get cat gut? Well, actually, we get that from sheep and horses, nothing to do with cats. What is ca uh, camel's hair brush made out of? Well, it's squirrel fur. How about the Canary Islands in the Pacific? Which animal are they named after? Not canaries, but actually uh, uh, dogs. Um, it's uh, Insularia canaria, which, is, which, which translates island of the dogs. How about this? What was King George VI's first name? Albert. When he came to the throne in 1936, he respected the wishes of Queen Victoria that no future king could ever be uh, uh, called George. So, uh, yeah, it could, or it could be called Albert, rather. Yes, yeah, so he was changed to King George. How about this? What color is a purple finch? Well, it's red. All right, and you're seeing where I'm going with this. Oh, by the way, uh, how long did the 30-year, the 30s-year war last? All right, that one was 30 years. We'll give it that one. All right, but the whole point that, that I, I want to make in, in these questions is they sound so obvious on what the answer should be, don't they? You know, uh, that we just want to answer. In each of them, the answer was not the obvious answer. And, you know, it proves the point that our knowledge is oftentimes limited. And what seems obvious is not all that obvious at all. And so when we think about God's thoughts and God's ways, when we look at the circumstances going on in the world around us, you know, we could be connecting dots and, and building paradigms and views of our world based on what we're trying to figure out in our own earthly self. And, and, and we will, every time, we will be so far off the mark because God's thoughts and God's ways are not our thoughts and our ways. Now, the good news is we can tap into him, and in Christ, we've been given the mind of Christ. We'll talk more about that on Sunday. Um, but we want to just really, really go away from this message tonight, understanding, all right, God's thoughts and ways are different than mine. So I really, really need to have my, my heart and my eyes and my ears fixed toward the Lord. I need to, you know, the good news is that God has chosen to reveal himself to us. 
but we absolutely need to live in a place of priority that we give room for his voice, for his word, so that we can know his thoughts and so that we can know his ways. Of course, they're, they're, they're as he reveals them to us. So let's look to the word here. A, a, a few key verses that will give some insight on this topic. So Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 reinforces you know, this introduction here. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Like I said, we can't know God's thoughts on our own. Psalms 10 verse 4 says, In his pride the wicked man does not seek him, seek the Lord. In all his thoughts there is no room for God. Micah 4.12, but they do not know the thoughts of the Lord. They do not understand his plan, that he has gathered them like sheaves to the threshing floor. So we're, we're getting a picture here of people going through and not understanding God's thoughts, God's ways. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4 says, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Wow, so we're, you know, there's this spiritual warfare where the, the minds of, of the unbeliever, they're darkened. There's a veil over their mind, the word says. And, and, and of course, as we pray for them, we have to pray that that, that that is torn down and that they have revelation and, 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 uh, and, and come to know Jesus as Lord. Think about when Jesus walked the earth, as we read about in the Gospels. Many, I was going to say all, but it wasn't all. Some of them came to Christ. But many, many of the religious leaders of the time, they were experts in the law. They were experts in all of the traditions and in all of the writings. And they missed God because they didn't know God's thoughts. They were trying to know God, as Pastor Ralph talked about last week, on just a purely rational level. Uh, and, and they missed the Messiah when he came. So uh, the good news is that God has revealed his thoughts to us. He wants us to know his thoughts. Amos 4.13, he who forms the mountains, who creates the wind, and who reveals his thoughts to mankind, who turns dawn to darkness and treads on the heights of the earth, the Lord God Almighty is his name. Notice what, what, what it said there. The one who reveals his thoughts to mankind. 1 Corinthians 2.16, who has known the mind of the Lord? so as to instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. So when we make Jesus Christ Lord of our lives and God comes to live in our heart, he makes us brand new, right? New creations in Christ Jesus. And then now we have the mind of Christ. So, so as we talk about these 40 days of hearing from God, we want to be people that live and walk in that place of walking in the mind of Christ, not the mind of this age, not the mind of the world, not the, the mind of our flesh, you know, our, our, our carnal nature, but we want to walk in the mind of Christ. Uh, now, because God has revealed himself, the psalmist says in Psalm 92, verse 5, how great are your works, Lord, how profound are your thoughts. In Psalm 139, 17, how precious to me are your thoughts, God, how vast is the sum of them. So the point of knowing God's thoughts, as Pastor Walt unpacked for us this last Sunday, you know, is for us to hear, right, uh, to sit under, to obey, which means to come under the teaching, to hear 
and obey. So God wants us to know his thoughts and his ways so that we will be intentional to come under God's commands, God's precepts, God's uh, instructions, uh, the paradigm that, that God says is the real paradigm of the real nature of, of life as we, as we walk through life. So we can then walk in his ways. We can walk in his precepts. We can walk in his commands and his leading and his direction. So there is wisdom to be found as we hear God's thoughts, as we understand and grasp God's thoughts. So for the remainder of our time here, I want to talk on a very practical level on how can we walk in God's wisdom? How can we walk in God's thoughts? Now, now I have to say, to a great degree, we're going to unpack this over all of the 40 days. There's, there's a lot that we can look at on, on how we are one who walks after the way of the Lord who walks in the way of the Lord. But I, I, I want to zero in specifically tonight on being a person who desires to walk in wisdom. And, and, and I'm saying that, that that absolutely links and connects in. To walk in his wisdom is to know his thoughts and to know his ways. So, so for a moment here, let's just say wisdom is the ability to discern what is right, what is true, and what is lasting. So there's several implications in, in that definition. There are moral implications. That's discerning what's right. There's wisdom that is moral, discerning what's right. There's wisdom that has intellectual implications. We discern what's true. And then there's wisdom that has eternal implications. We discern what's lasting. So wisdom is the God-given ability to perceive the true nature of a matter, right? And to implement the will of God into that situation. So in other words, we want to walk in light of, in the light of God's thoughts and God's ways. We want to come under the hearing and we want to obey. So what are some practical ways on the front end of this series, this 40-day series, that, that we can say, all right, I, I want to posture, I want to live my life, I want to come into alignment with the Lord so I can know his thoughts and ways? How can I do that? Well, let's look at a couple of simple things. Number one is let's live in a fear of the Lord. And, and again, this word fear is not terror. You know, uh, this is, you know, not um, uh, fear that God's going to get you kind of a thing. It's a fear that, that um, is, is defined in, in other words like deep reverence. Total, absolute awe, the, the, the magnitude of who God is and his vast holiness, right? When Isaiah saw the Lord and, and uh, realized, you know, he got a glimpse into the holiness of the Lord, he fell down and he said, uh, I'm a man of unclean lips. And he was so undone in the Lord's presence. That's a picture of him having a fear, a reverence, an awe of the Lord. Proverbs 1.7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So if we are going to come under, if we are going to be able to discern God's thoughts, we have to respect and reverence and have that as a part of our lifestyle, have that as part of our, our lens. You know, like, like I just got to tell you, you know, all my years in, in youth ministry, I just remember there's certain things that trend and I remember one time seeing a shirt that just said, you know, Jesus is my homeboy. 
you know, I don't know if that sounds kind of cheesy, right? That's old language, you know, that was, it was very cool and fresh and dope at the time, but not so much now. But what I didn't like about that expression, you know, Jesus is our best friend, but I don't think we should allow ourselves to carry a casualness, you know? God is father, he's daddy, and Jesus is our older brother and our best friend. But there needs to be in all of our interaction. We can come boldly to the throne of grace to get help in time of need. You know, and we, we don't put on airs. We come raw and transparent and as we are. Uh, but in all of that, it, it's not this casual, yeah, he's my buddy. You know, it's no, he's almighty God. And I so reverence and respect. My adoration comes from a place of just deep deep reverence. And you want to know, in our culture today, there's more irreverence and, and a lack of respect, really, pretty much toward everything and anything, that we have to make sure that we don't get caught up in, in the body of Christ, right? So the first uh, great, great point for us to make sure, as, as we inventory our lives, do I reverence God? Do I have a healthy, consistent fear of the Lord? Amen. So every wise saying that we find in Proverbs, in the book of Proverbs, and, and it's just packed with wisdom, it all goes back to this foundational principle. Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. In another translation, it says, the starting point for acquiring wisdom is to be consumed with awe as you worship Jehovah God consumed with awe. Isn't that great? To receive the revelation of the Holy One, you must come to the one who has living understanding. In other words, the one who gets it, who made it. So the fear of the Lord, friends, uh, really has two sides. One side of the fear of the Lord is to hate what is evil, it's to hate sin, and it's to avoid sin at all costs. But then the other side of it is to delight in doing God's will. See, I've run into Christians, they have the one side, which is to hate evil, to hate sin, and to avoid sin at all costs, but they don't delight in God's will. And those are those grumpy Christians that we run into out there, you know, just got that big frown on their face all the time, you know. And then I've seen other Christians where they delight in doing God's will, but there's not a, a hating what's evil. And because of that, man, there's a lot of tripping up. There's a lot of falling into mess, falling into sin, entanglements that happen. But man, if we grasp fear of the Lord is to hate evil and to delight in the will of the Lord, wow, the joy of the Lord and, and, and the countenance of our face is going to carry his beautiful presence. So to fear God means to view God with deep and healthy respect as shown in one's hatred of evil and love for what God loves. Psalm 112 verse 1 says, Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in His commands. All right, now a second practical thought for us to be able to walk in God's thoughts and to see His wisdom manifest because we're, we're living in this place of, of, of seeking God's thoughts. So number two, real simple, we ask for it. We ask for wisdom. We ask to know God's ways. And James 1.5 tells us, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he'll give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. So interesting, Solomon, King Solomon, he's 20 years old, and he's the new king of Israel. 
and he loved the Lord, and he loved walking in the Lord's statutes. I mean, his father David wrote these psalms where he would say, you know, God, I love your law. I love, I love your precepts. I think about them uh, in the watches of the night. I meditate them while I'm lying down on my bed. You know, David just had this incredible hunger for the ways of God, you know, for God's thoughts. And, and Solomon carried that right here early on because uh, in 1 Kings chapter 3, the Lord says to Solomon, ask me anything and I'll give it to you. And Solomon doesn't ask for might and power. He doesn't ask for riches. Uh, but here's what he says in verse 9. He says, give me an understanding heart um, so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. Uh, what is he saying here? Give me an understanding heart to know your thoughts, your ways, to know you and how you want life to be lived, God. He said, for who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? And it goes on to say that God was so pleased that he didn't ask for riches and power and, you know, long life. And, and because he asked for the wisdom and not that other stuff, God blessed him with all of it still, you know, and he did give him wisdom. We know he's gone down, you know, as, uh, you know, the wisest. So, so simple, right? So we want, if we want to live in a place where we know God's thoughts, where we can discern his thoughts from our thoughts in the world around us, we fear the Lord. And we ask God for wisdom and for knowledge and understanding. A third very important ingredient here is we have to pursue wisdom. We have to pursue God's thoughts. Hey, most people pursue money, fame, riches, things like that. But we're to pursue God and his wisdom, God and his voice. Proverbs 3.16 says, uh, talks about wisdom, personifies her as a she. It says, she offers you long life in her right hand and riches and honor in her left hand. You know, so in other words, your way will be prospered when we walk in the, the ways of God and the thoughts of God and the mind of God. Proverbs 4.8 says, if you prize wisdom, think about that word prize, if you prize wisdom, she will make you great. Embrace her and she will honor you. So as we talk about pursuing God's voice, pursuing wisdom, pursuing his thoughts, of course, and, and you know, we know our foundation is what? The Bible, right? The word of God. And, and we will constantly go back to that foundation. It's always back to the word, always back to the word. But we want to pursue the Bible. We want to pursue it not because it's our religious exercise or because we're supposed to. Father, I pray that tonight we would have such a revelation of the importance of being people that are absolutely saturated in the Word of God. We want to be a student of the Word. We want to be a, a learner, and we want to be committed to lifelong learning the Word of God. If we ever, God forbid, we ever get to a point where we say we've got it all figured out. We're not going to get it all figured out uh, until we see him face to face. And I imagine even then it's just going to be ongoing for eternity. You know, if God is without depth and breadth and height, you know, uh, it, it's just going to be an ongoing thing. But while we're here, certainly on the earth, we want to stay in a posture of learning. We'll stop pursuing the Lord's voice and greater understanding of his ways uh, if, if we don't... Uh, stay in a place of, of being a learner. Okay, and then the, the, the last thought I'm going to bring out to us, and we'll start to come in for a landing, is that we have to apply it. So, you know, we're, we're fearing the Lord, we're asking, we're pursuing, but we must apply. If we're only hearers only, 
and we're not making application of God's word, you know, we're, we're just not going to see God's thoughts sculpt and shape and, and, and integrate into our lives and, and become our thoughts. See, wisdom applied will have multiplied effect in every area of our life. So what is wisdom? It's applied knowledge. You know, it was interesting. I was uh, dropping, uh, stopping with my daughter at a doctor appointment this week, and we were pulling into a plaza where there's, there was this suite of all these different offices. And um, we saw like three doctors hanging outside the back door, smoking cigarettes, you know, in the back of the office, you know, and, and I actually said to my daughter, I said, honey, I said, what you see right there is the difference between wisdom and knowledge. I am sure those doctors studied in detail the effects of smoking on your lungs, you know, the, the cancer, all of these different things that came, you, you know, come along with that package. So they had the knowledge but they didn't apply the knowledge. They didn't walk in wisdom. Knowledge is, hey, smoking's gonna hurt my body. Wisdom is, so therefore I'm not going to smoke, right? So just a simple illustration. Wisdom is applied knowledge. Now Matthew uh, talks uh, a parable for us that shares just how important it is to be a doer and not a hearer only. Let's take a look at it. Matthew chapter seven, verse 24. Uh, says, anyone who listens to my teachings, this is Jesus talking, and follows it, uh, is, is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents, and the floodwaters rise, and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse, because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teachings, hears the word, and doesn't obey it, is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. And when the rain and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. So the Lord is saying, wow, we, we, we can't just be hearers only. We have to make sure that we apply, that we do what the, words, what the word says, obey his commands. Wisdom is knowing the right path to take. And then we have to have the integrity, the integrity integrated into our lives where we then walk that path out. So, hey, in every situation, we want to ask, what's the wise thing to do? James 3.17 says, But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It's also peace-loving. It's gentle at all times and willing to yield to others. It's full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and it's always sincere. So that, that's a Bible definition of wisdom that comes from heaven. So, hey, I just want to check our time here. Yep, we're... we're uh, it's really small. Okay, yeah, we're doing really good on time here. Uh, as we get ready to close, the impact of wisdom. Just, just a couple of thoughts in closing from Proverbs. Wisdom will save you from evil people. Let, let, me, let me even interchange the words. God's thoughts. Walking in God's thoughts will save you from evil people. It says that in Proverbs 2.12. God's thoughts and walking in his thoughts and ways will save you from immoral women. Walking in God's thoughts and ways will bring you joy. Proverbs 3.13, the one before that was 2.16. Wisdom, walking in God's thoughts and ways, develops good judgment. Hey, have you ever been in a situation, in a situation where you made a judgment call and you look back and you say, uh, not so good judgment there, I wish I could do that one over. Well, walking in God's thoughts and ways 
you know, uh, develops good judgment, Proverbs 4, 5. Uh, it will protect you, Proverbs 4, 6. Proverbs 4, 8 says it will bring greatness to your life. And Proverbs 9, 11 says it will multiply your days. Few more of these. It will give you a bright future, Proverbs 24, 14. It will make you wise and more powerful than 10 rulers in a city. God's wisdom will do that. And wisdom will improve your life. I mean, wow, why would we not want to be just actively, actively pursuing God's ways, God's thoughts? You know, and again, I, I know I'm talking a lot about wisdom and, and God's thoughts. Um, it, it, you know, from it might, it might sound obvious, right, from what I'm saying. Okay, well, of course we want to know God's ways. But remember, we started talking about because God's ways are different than our ways, if we neglect, if we don't pursue, if we don't ask, if we don't fear the Lord, you know, if we kind of get just look lukewarm and let all the other voices bombard into our lives, we're going to start losing walking the ways of God, walking the mind of God. Hey, friend, have you ever noticed when you're spending a ton of time in the Word, ton of time, you know, uh, whether it's in preaching and, you know, reading and studying and memorizing Scripture, God's ways make so much sense, don't they? I mean, God's thoughts just make sense because we're walking in his thoughts and they're in alignment with the mind of Christ, which we have as believers. And so they're creating a worldview, a filter through which we're seeing life. But I know that I've had times I get busy, I get distracted, storms come, I get a little shaky. And now I'm looking out at the horizon around me and I'm not seeing it from God's perspective. You know, if, if, if the storm can beat hard enough, sometimes we can look at that storm and say, hey, what's going on here? Is God really with me? Does God really care? Hey, how many know the enemy will come in and say, did God really say? But if we walk in wisdom by walking out these practical things that we just looked at here, then we'll say, we'll stay strong in the Lord. We'll be walking in the mind of Christ. Our faith will be built up and we'll be able to discern, hey, even though it looks like I'm going down, God says I won't go down. God says I have the victory. God says he's got me. God says he's going to bring me through. God says he'll never leave me or forsake me. See, see, we can, we can fight the good fight and we can walk in victory every step of the time, uh, every step of the way when we're walking in God's thoughts and understanding, all right, life isn't going to match what God says about life sometimes. And I have to reject what I see uh, rationally around me. And I have to understand that God supersedes that and God's ways are above that. And even if it doesn't make sense, I'm going to trust him because I know his ways are higher than mine and his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. So, hey, um, Proverbs talks. Remember we said earlier about prizing wisdom. I want to close in prayer, just giving us an invitation uh, to just say, God, afresh and anew, help us. As a matter of fact, let me just pray this right now. Father, as we close this time today, I pray that you would help us to have such a hunger for you, for your heart, for your ways, for your precepts. Father, we are, we are asking you to come in and afresh and anew. Lord, give us that heart like David that, that said, I, I think about you in the watches of the night and, and I long for your ways and I'm in awe of your precepts. 
I'm in awe of, of your thoughts, God, how wonderful they are. Who can know them? Lord, we want to pursue. God, make us people that prize your word, that prize your ways. And so, Lord, I pray for anybody on this, this, uh, uh, in, in this service tonight online that's going through the storm. Lord, if, if circumstances are confusing, if you've been so challenged by what's going on that it's brought confusion, it's brought despair or discouragement, Father, I pray that you would breathe encouragement and hope into those hearts tonight. And I pray for all of us that we would go away with our faith full and stirred up, walking in hot pursuit of you, your ways, your thoughts, your wisdom. Father, we pray all these things in Jesus' mighty name, and we give you all the glory for it. Amen.